Hey, everybody, this is The Conversation. It's outspoken and opinionated. Of course, I am your host, as always, Edwin Meyer. We are in July. Today is July 1st. Um, we made it through June. Um, for us who were on Facebook and scrolling down every, literally every day in June, there was some sort of sad news, but June has gone. We're in July, and this month at The Conversation, we are celebrating Liberian excellence. And so basically everything that we're doing this month, we are going to focus on Liberia this month because we're celebrating July 26, my people. So this is July 26 celebration. For those who aren't, for my viewers and listeners who aren't Liberian, July 26 is Liberian independence. And so this month of July, everything and everything we do on this show is going to be focused on Liberia. I know someone will say, basically, technically, you focus on Liberia all the time. But this one, we're really focusing on Liberia, looking at the different excellent things are going on in Liberia. We are going to have an amazing time every Thursday with some amazing Liberians. When I tell you Liberians are dope, this is serious. So if you haven't noticed my shirt, I am Liberian approved. This was made by True Vision. If you didn't know, JT Maya, my brother, he runs an organization called True Vision. Of course, I always rock True Vision because it's Liberian excellence. So hey, welcome to the conversation again. Today, I have an amazing amazing gentleman if you haven't been following us on instagram i ain't gonna tell you who it is i'm just gonna bring him in he's gonna tell you guys what you guys are doing but again if you are watching from liberia we're asking mask up six feet and hand sanitize coronavirus is serious no joke guys but without further ado i'm going to bring in hey welcome Thank you very much. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Like I said earlier, you are the big CEO. I just, there are people saying question in and there is one question I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you later. But how are you doing, sir? What's going on with you? How's everything going on? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, we're all trying to be to stay safe. Um, thank you again for keep pushing the message uh about coronavirus and how serious it is and and some of the steps we can take to keep ourselves um safe so you know it's just a lot going on in liberia right now with the surge in the covid cases and you know everybody trying to figure out like you know how can we keep ourselves safe how can we keep um our you know team members safe how can we keep our loved ones safe um, so yeah you know we, we're trying to figure it out and, and doing our best I forgot, but can you introduce yourself to the people? Because I forgot that part. Uh, Who are you, you? What you do, uh, and all that good stuff. Well, my name is Mahmoud Johnson, and I'm the I, I founded J Palm. Uh, started a business right out of college, and I've been doing this now for about eight years. We actually just turned eight years old last nice. week. Um, so you know, yeah. So we've been doing we've been doing this now for for quite a while, um, and uh, yeah, I mean. That's basically, that's, that's me, you know, I, that's what I do. Well, people, I'm just gonna say this, but you know, I think, you know, you have every best successful businessman is extremely humble. So I can already see how humble you are. And I'm just gonna tell the people, this is Mamou Johnson. He is the CEO, owner, visionary, and everything behind J-Palm. If you have not tried J-Palm product, I will tell you I am, the number one fan for J-Pom. Everybody that in my family goes to Liberia know exactly what to bring for me. Don't bring me anything but J-Pom products. So I'm going to tell you guys, this is the Liberian extraordinaire. This is the entrepreneur, Mamu Johnson, CEO of J-Pom. So I'm going to ask you the first question somebody asked me. You know where everybody owns their own business and is just doing well. People want to know. Somebody asked and said, so how rich are you? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the, I, I guess I would at, at this stage, right? I would I would count um, my wealth, I guess, by sort of the 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 impact that that we're able to create, whether it's creating jobs, whether it's um, helping um, farmers with the incomes. I'm the kind of person who, um, right now, um, honestly. You know, the balance doesn't really move me. Um, I don't really make decisions based on, you know, calculations of what I think I personally would gain from it. It really is based on um, 
you know, how do we try to make a difference in, in society? Um, how do we try to uh, improve livelihoods for, for other Liberians? Uh, and so, you know, maybe maybe one will come in the future, but for now it's really about, you know, trying to build something that uh, we ought to be proud of uh, and, and trying to make a difference. That's amazing. So I want to ask you, why J-Pom? What's the inspiration behind that name? Um, I was I was trying to start a uh, palm oil business. Uh, my name is Johnson. It's like you know, let's just get this over with. J Palm, <laughs> J Palm, Johnson Palm. Yeah, basically. That's it. Simple yeah. and to the point. And yeah. I want to ask you. So you know, um, tell us about the process because I don't think I know you didn't just. Maybe you just did get up one morning and start this whole thing. Process. How long did it take you to come up with all of this that you have right now? Like, how, what was the process? Right. Well, so here's the thing that most people don't, don't know. Um, J Palm actually started with just a regular palm oil business. Um, we had no plans whatsoever to, to be like what it is that we're doing. Now. Um, a lot of people know about J Palm through the the kind of fresh products, um, and and I love that. But originally, Colonel Fresh was not part of the plan. Um, the idea for J-Palm was simple. We have a lot of palm trees in Liberia. We have a lot of small farmers who make palm oil. Um, and we wanted to support them to make more money. Farmers in, in areas. So I took a step back. Um, so I, I, I was going to college in the US and I came, they, 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 um, the winter break before my graduation, I came to Liberia, uh, and my aunt, I was having just like a regular conversation with the aunt, and she she said to me, she was telling me how she ran out of business, because she used to sell, she used to sell palm oil. Uh, and she said to me that she ran out of business because she couldn't find a consistent supplier, you know? Uh, usually she would get in, in Texas and go to some of the rural areas to buy palm oil, but sometimes they don't, they don't have enough palm oil, or they don't have any palm oil at all, and now she already spent all this money on transportation, so that was how she eventually ran out of business. And it, it really didn't make any sense to me because anybody who is familiar with Liberia, who has you know uh, traveled through the countryside, you see palm trees all over. Even in Monrovia, palm trees just grow naturally in the wild, right? Um, and so it was like, but why is it that we have all these palm trees, but like, you know, palm oil um, sellers cannot find oil. And so that was how I started to do research about palm oil. Uh, and apparently what was happening is that there's just was a, was a lot of waste um, in the oil palm sector. The, the palm oil that we eat, the one we call country palm, you know, it's like this it's natural plantation, it's natural, it's wild, it's organic palm oil, uh, but it's usually made in very rural villages, small villages by smallholder farmers who were using their bare hands to squeeze out the palm oil, you know, out of the palm fruit wow. because they didn't have access to machines, right? Um, and on top of that, all of the palm kernels are going to waste. So, so that's one aspect of, of why, even though we have all these palm trees, but um, it didn't necessarily translate into palm oil. Um, so USAID did some studies back then, and it, and it showed that uh, up to about 35% of the palm nuts literally remain on the trees uh, without being harvested. And then for the ones that they harvest, they end up losing about half of the expected oil yield because, again, the hands just aren't as efficient in extracting the palm oil. So, so my my thinking with this was like, how do we better serve someone like my aunt who's selling palm oil in Monrovia, right? Like, it doesn't really make sense for the beginning time going in a bush to buy palm oil from one or two persons. So that can we figure out a way where we can organize the palm oil producers, help them make the palm oil more efficiently, increase their production, and then buy from them, aggregate all that palm oil and transport the oils to Monrovia so that we can sell at a better price point to people in in, in Monrovia. Um, so they don't have to leave the market, leave the families, and go spend two, three days in the bush every week looking for power. So that was the original idea for J-Palm, really. was like working with smallholder farmers, help them better make, make better quality oils, make more oils, make more money, and then help the retailers and the traders in Monrovia make more profits because you can eliminate that transportation cost that it takes from traveling to, to, uh, to the rural areas. And we are in a better position to do that because we have our own equipment, we have our own trucks and all that stuff, so it costs less to, to transport, uh, to transport oil. So that was the original idea for J-Palm. Wow. Uh, eventually, it sort of transitioned into palm kernel oil because like one day I went to the production area and I just saw this huge like plume of smoke. And I was like, what's going on? Um, and they said, oh, you know, they're the, the burning the palm kernels. I was like, but why are we burning the palm kernels? Like, but 
I mean, that's what we do. Like, there's no use for it. Um, and so naturally, it was like, okay, let's try to figure out what, what can we do with the palm kernels. Uh, so we talked to a bunch of people. At, at the time, this was in 2014. At the time, um, a lot of soap makers were using palm kernel oil for soap production. Uh, but they were going as far as Guinea and Sierra Leone to purchase palm kernel oil, you know, and we had all of these palm kernels going with in Liberia. So it was like, okay, let's try to test, you know, get machines. So able to get some machines to, to make uh, to make palm kernel oil and started supplying the palm kernel oil to soap makers. Um, and then I was like, yo, you know, there was this one time I had a really bad act. Um, I mean, I always have acne when I was doing it because I have very oily skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, let me just try this oil and see, like, you know, and see like how it works. And um, the, the palm kernel oil cleared my acne within like two days. I was so I was like, but you know, there's there is something here. So I was like, you know what? Maybe we can start a small little side business with this palm kernel oil. So it wasn't, it was a kind of first was really an accidental brand. We didn't plan for it at all. There was no uh, research, there was no anything. It was just like we have our main business, which is to make palm oil and palm kernel oil. We can start something small on the side, you know, just like putting palm kernel oil in bottles. So we actually started with like 1,000 bottles and put it in supermarkets. And within less than six months, it really blew up because everybody started, you know. Initially, people were curious about the color of the oil because mostly people are used to the dark palm kernel oil, right? Um, so now it's like, oh, but what is this palm kernel oil that looks like algal oil? Like people are interested yeah. in just like how it looks. Um, but then people now started talk, talking about how it worked for them. So some people say, oh, this cleared my acne. Some people say, oh, this cleared my dark spot. Some people say, oh, this is really like improving my glow, it's growing my hair. It's just like all these stories. Which we, we we couldn't talk about at the time because we didn't know because we hadn't planned for it this way. So it's just like you know rebroadcasting these stories. Like we share the stories, we share in our pages, uh, and that's how you know the brand really started to grow um, up to the point now where you know it's really it really has morphed into a national brand where we have we we moved beyond just uh, palm kernel oil in bottles where we have a full range of skincare, facial care, hair care products, all based on palm um, palm palm kernel oil. But again. All, with, all um, within the service to the farmers because as we grow the business this way, that's how we can be able to earn the revenues we need to expand you know, into more communities um, to work with more farmers. This is great, I tell you, my man. You, this is amazing. But you know, I just want to touch you. You talk about some things, but I just want to touch on it. So when you started, did you mm-hmm. already like have an idea of what things was going to come to, or were you just looking mm-hmm. at creating oil? Uh, initially, it was all about palm oil. Initially, it was all about palm oil. If it, you know, the, the thing with business is that it, it sort of grows over time, right? Like, they, you have an, uh, sort of a nugget of an idea, and over time, it's that idea, that nugget starts to expand. It's almost like a baby. Like, the baby is small and it starts to grow um, in that way. So, um, so like, when you look at the original business plan for j Palm, it's just all about, you know, palm oil. Uh, and we're talking, we're thinking about it mostly from a food perspective to say, oh, maybe at some point in the future we can make agar oil, maybe we can make uh, margarine or whatever. But we didn't really consider this sort of beauty product business. Because, I mean, think about it, like, there, there, there wasn't really any precedent in Liberia with people doing beauty businesses in 2013, 2014, right? Everything was imported at the time. So, yeah. And so you're getting into the market, and we know the Liberian market is fluctuated with foreign products. Everybody are based on certain kind of name and they want to use that name. What are some of the challenges that you face if that was a challenge when you started, you know, really venturing into the beauty market? Uh, I mean, the biggest challenge was the perception that many Liberia products are of an inferior quality. Mm -hmm. Um, From from a lot of Liberians themselves, it's like, oh, you know, like, oh, it isn't a Liberian, you know, like, like it should, you should sell it for me five dollars because you know it's like is is the the connotation is that this is like a low quality product, mm-hmm. um, and that also was a view that was shared by the retailers. So you know now you can walk into a retail store and see a whole shelf of Liberian products. But when we started, there was no there were no Liberian products in the supermarket. The only Liberian products in the supermarket were. The pepper sauce that people put in manager, you know, and put in the supermarket. That's the only main bird product they had. So for us to walk in there and say, look, you know, we are making this oil for skincare and hair care, and we want to stock in here, it was it was so difficult. Each time you go, you say, oh, maybe we'll come back next week, we'll come back next week. 
So we, had a, we actually have implemented some pretty smart uh, strategies to actually get retail distribution. Uh, for example, I remember we took out um, ads in the radio, on, on the radio, to say, oh, kind of fresh is available at social, social supermarket. When I, in fact, they were giving us a runaround. But now, all of a sudden, they started seeing all of these customers, all of these people come in and to ask about it. So then they started calling us and say, oh, can you bring this here? You know, so it's things like that, uh, just like, you know, different strategies for, for getting the products into the stores. Um, in the beginning, it was all about it was all about us creating buzz on social media about, mm -hmm. about, the, about the, the benefits of this product, and then directing them to the retail stores. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the biggest challenge in the beginning was really getting people to accept that being like products can actually be um, of, of of high quality, um, and that's something that that's something that I've always been uncompromising about. You know, with my team, you know, it's 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 about you know it's about like we. Yes, we are here in Liberia, right? But the the mindset is we have to have a global mindset. We have to be able to create products that that people anywhere in the world can 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 use and enjoy. You know, we don't, it's not like oh, because we're being Liberia, so we have to now, you know, have a subpar quality. Because I mean, I want to be able to use these products. I mean, that's the only thing that I use, and and I have you know I have um, high standards for myself, right? So it's like okay, you know, like. Anybody, you know, like should be able to use it anywhere, regardless of you know what your status is. Um, and, and and so and that's something that I think that's one of the reasons why we've been able to grow the way we've grown so far is because we're really focused on um, keeping the quality consistent and, and continuing to improve on, on, on that quality. So I would say, you know, the, I think the quality of your products are amazing. Uh, of course, everybody as a business owner, you want to move every to higher heights. So I know you have, you know, you have plans to move. But as a consumer, I would tell you it's great. I use Thank every you. product except the beer oil. And I'm fussing with oh. my brother because I need one. And so he's going to get it. He's get it. To yes, but he's going to get it. But I tell you, um, there are people who do want to know. You know, mm -hmm. when you started your business, what were there any capital constraints, especially yeah. in a developing country? How did you oh, yeah. manage that? Um, the thing about Liberia is that we, we really don't we really do not even up until now we really do not have a um, a sort of fluid mechanism to fund ideas. Okay. Uh, most of, it's you know most of the most of the financing is very risk averse. Um, so they, I mean, the way I, the way I think about it is like you you don't get uh, money from from the banks until you don't need it. You know that's when they they, they, they try to give you money. Um, because if you think about it, like you know, um, if you are a young person trying to start a business, you go to a bank. Uh, if you look at the requirements, you need to have um, non-movable assets. You need to have a farm, or you need to have a house. You know, things that things like that. To use as collateral to get a loan, um, and just just statistically, as a young young people are not um, likely to have acquired those kinds of assets to go and to get and get loans. Um, you can say, well, loan is not the only source of funding a business. You need you have, you have venture capital, you have venture investment, all that. We we don't have that ecosystem in Liberia yet, um, and so you know, and so for me, I knew I knew very early on that the only way um, we could fund this business was um, by tapping into grants. Uh, there are lots of business plan competitions globally. There are lots of grants, um, and and most of these most of these international competitions and grant opportunities try to balance um, the strength of the business with social impact. You know, it's not enough to say, "Oh, I have a business I'm making." You know, have a thousand dollars a million dollars whatever it is uh you also have to be able to demonstrate what impact you are creating because if somebody has given you money like that you don't have to pay back then it can't just be for you it has to be something that you have, it has to be it has to be a structure where you are paying it forward um and so in the very beginning we, we set we set up our business in such a way that we're, we're not just tracking the financials for the business we're also tracking the impact. How many farmers are we working with, right? In the beginning, you know, did a survey to find out how much money were they making, and then six months later, you, you, you go back again and look at the data and say how much money are they making now, so we can be able to tell the story um, about this commercial 
venture that is creating this social impact. Um, and I personally had to fund um, the business to the point where we could demonstrate that proof of concept, demonstrate that, look, you know, um, by creating a market for palm kernels, we can help maybe increase farmers' income by maybe an additional 20 to 30% because, you know, they were throwing the palm kernels away. Now they're selling the palm kernels, they're earning money from it, you know. But, like, I had to be able to fund that myself um, to, to, to generate, you know, those results. And then say, look, you know, I started, I, I have my own little money. I put it inside. Here's what the results I've been able to achieve. Now, if you give me money, here's what we can do, right? So, so um, uh, I had a little bit of, I had some savings. Um, I think I, I think we started with less than $10,000. Um, I mean, this is a very capital intensive business. You have to go and buy a pickup. You got to buy um, the machines. You have to um, have to hire staff and all that stuff. So, within like, Within the first less than the first two months, all the money was gone. You know, I, I had to um, rely on some of my friends from college to put some money in. I also got a job working part time at a consulting company and was using my, my own money to sort of bankroll the business. Um, because I really sort of saw, I, I had a, I, saw, I had a very strong vision for what I thought the business could be. I really believed in it, and so I put everything, all my savings. It even got to a point where I, I, I was literally using my car as taxi just to survive, you know, because we didn't have any, any, any money. But again, it's, it's all about having that clear vision. I remember when I was in college and I had the idea for the business. It, it just came like a flash, right? Like I, 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 I had, it was so many ideas running through my head. I literally had to get up. And write. I still have that envelope, by the way. I had to get get up and write down what I wanted to do so that I could at least fall asleep, right? So I just had a very strong vision for what the business could be, and, and I knew that you know I had to put my all into it um, to demonstrate that I was serious about this before I could go and convince someone else to kind of put money in. So in the beginning, it was just about me uh, self-financing it, and then eventually we started applying for grants um, internationally. Um, and the story was pretty compelling to the point where we were able to raise um, some capital um, through through grants to invest in, in expanding the business. Wow, your story is really, really, really amazing. Because so I'm looking at you, and I'm thinking, okay, a young man go to college in the states, graduate, and move back to Liberia. So you move back to Liberia, and you want to start your business. Yep. And I'm looking at young men of your age group, they're looking for an, a desk office. They want to they want to be a big boss. You want to, you know, sit in the back seat and get the driver and go to the next spot and popping bottles and stuff like that. Where you were there, were there times where you were a little bit discouraged about this process looking at me? I don't know if you have peers who technically had moved up and you were still, you know, trying to get stuff going on right well i mean you know entrepreneurship is not for everybody you know so there are some people who are more comfortable working um elsewhere um for me you know yeah, the, the, so the, the comparison was you know when i finished college it was a decision of should i remain in the u.s and get a job or should i return home um and you know, a lot of my friends, fellow African students who are in college with me, uh, are still in the U.S. working, you know, for banks, working for the consulting firms, and, and, and things like that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I did try to get a job in the U.S., but it just didn't work. It was like, this is not interesting to me at all. Like, I just could not really get myself to uh, be diligent in the job application process. Like, you know, my friends were... You know, doing case interviews, you know, like looking at the finance books and all those all those mm -hmm. things. I did buy those books, but I just would not read them. It just it's like it just wasn't interesting to me. Um, and 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 I think that that's one thing, right? Like we always have to cultivate um, the ability to observe ourselves and to listen to ourselves, you know, because I mean I could have sort of powered through and forced myself yeah. to get myself working in the bank, but like I, I don't think I would have been productive. I, I don't think I would have been happy. I, I think it would have been a slow death for me. You know, for other people, that's their passion. That's what they want to do, and that's fine. Um, so I, you know, it, it's, I've, I've never really regretted anything about this business. There have been there have been so many times when I've been very frustrated. Um, I've been frustrated, um, but I've been frustrated because I know like it shouldn't be this hard. 
You know what I'm saying? Like we operate in an environment in Liberia where there just are there are lots of things that just don't work. Um, and so a lot of the frustration is from that, you know, and I understand that it's not anything that's fundamentally wrong with this business. It's just the fact that we're operating in a very difficult environment. Um, so the, the, the way I always think about it is um, you always have to start with the vision. You always, that's, that's the reason why it's always important to have a clear idea, a very clear idea of what success looks like to you, like what success looks like to you in, in your head. You can, you, can, you can almost smell it and taste it, right? Because when we encounter these challenges, it's that vision that will pull you forward. You know, it's a, it's really, it's really a matter of perspective to say, you know, like things are really like uh, after right now, like is is really difficult. I know that if I can get over this, you know, I'm closer to the destination or I'm closer to this goal that I want to achieve. So, you know, it's there many many times when I've been very discouraged, but it, but, what, but I always look forward to, I always look up to that vision that um, we have and the potential for what the business could be. And that's what keep, uh, has kept me going um, and kept us going uh, this far. Man, you're just inspiring. So it's, well, so I want to ask you a question on, you know, like we talk, you talked about, people talked about it all the time. Things don't work. Mm. Like it's a third world country. It, oh, wrong choice of words. It's uh -huh. a developing country. It's a, it is, yeah. And it's a developing country. Wrong choice of words, people. It's a developing country and things don't work. And now a lot of people who are running businesses in Liberia are really worried about the economy. And so yes. I want to ask you about the current economy right now and you being an amazing entrepreneur. I mean, you are in finance, so of course money. I know it's like your budgeting is not even like a joke. So I want to find out, <laughs> like, you know, like what's your stance right now with the whole economic situation that's going on right now in Liberia compared right. with um, your, your company? Right. Um, we operate in a very difficult um, economic environment. Things were already challenging before COVID um, with the economy, and they have been challenging for a very long time. You know, um, Liberia, Liberian economy, the way it is, uh, was developed for a time that is long gone. You know, if you look at if you look at the structure of the Liberian economy, it really is a sort of colonial slash concession economy where the infrastructure is geared towards extracting natural raw unprocessed natural resources and transporting them to the port and shipping them out raw and if you look at the tax structure if you look at just how everything is, is structured is is built for that kind of large you know multinational foreign direct investment we don't really have um, a structure that supports small businesses, medium businesses. You know, all the countries have strategies to say, you know, we want to be like, for example, Rwanda is, is talking about building this new digital economy, right? And so the policies, of course, would make it so that people have access to information technology, you have education, you know, you have tech hubs and things like that. We don't really have any kind of structure that supports any sort of um, um, entrepreneurship apart from, you know, large. Uh, corporations coming in to make big plantations or, or, or mining. Um, and so, and, and, and the reason why that is problematic is because we have a growing population and those those sectors don't really create as many jobs as, as we need, you know, to have to really have a transformative impact on the economy. So you have a lot of people who just don't have jobs. If you don't have jobs, you don't have a sustainable way of making money, then you Spend. And if you cannot spend, then you know the economy is depressed. So, like we have, we have that structural problem. We also have uh, a serious problem with education that has been going on since the war, right? Where you have after the war, we had a lot of teachers teaching in schools. Students are not really learning, and so people, um, number one, people don't, most people don't really have skills to get the, the few jobs that are available, um, and also aren't aren't. Um, equipped with the skills, sort of, critical, sort of critical thinking skills to start their own businesses. So it's, 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 um, it's, a, sort of, it's a capacity problem that is, is now translating to an economic problem because most people just have the capacity to earn decent income, and so they just don't have enough money to spend, right? Uh, and then now you layer that with COVID that has also now the entire 
global economy, um, and the Liberian economy is just not robust enough where we have the resources to do any kind of stimulus, you know, to keep the economy afloat. So it's just it's just really difficult, um, it's a really difficult time. And, and for businesses, we always have to uh, operate in a space where we um, we understand the realities and we make plans for what are we going to do next, you know. So for us. Um, we have, we, I mean, we have, I, I don't, I, I can't share, you know, our business strategy on, 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 yeah, on this, you know, we are, we have, we are working on several different, um, sub new, new, um, ventures within the business, um, to continue to grow the business and to serve the population where they are, you know, so yes. we have fresh products, we have kind of fresh products. Um, we have a customer base that is very loyal, um, but how do we go beyond that? You know, how do we go to, how do we create products that work um, for very low-income people? How do we create products and services that work for people in rural areas? All of these, um, all of these people deserve to be served, right? And, and deserve quality products and deserve quality services. Um, so how do we do it in such a way where we can be able to profitably serve um, as many people as possible? Uh, and meet them where they are, as opposed to saying, "Oh, you know, we, we, people need to, you know, we need to have a big middle class um, exactly. in order to survive." Yeah, I like that, and I, I was, I want to move now into a, in a different segment where we can really talk about, you know, now COVID, COVID mm -hmm. is going on. Um, the, like the rates in Liberia is really, really, it's going up. Yep. And you, as a business owner. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that the government is putting in place that is going to help business owners at least whether it's grants or loans or something? Because if you have a you have salaries to pay, you have all these yep. things. So if the government is talking about shutting down and all that kind of stuff, technically you have to sell products in order for you to get money to pay your workers. So exactly. is there anything that they're talking about or you looking into as a business owner and with other businesses? I've not heard any um, programs uh, or initiatives from the government to support businesses at this time. And I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, we have salaries to pay. Um, and there's always a question of, you know, what is, what is the end goal of the government, right? The end goal should be to create an environment where ordinary citizens can thrive and can, they can not just struggle and survive, but they can thrive. Um, so we have, so for example, in the U.S., you know, of course, you can't really compare, right? But like in the U.S., you know this, you have zero, um, zero protection, um, so that for businesses who maybe may see a dip in revenues, they can get some support from the government to continue to pay the employees. Because again, at the end of the day, it really is about the livelihoods of the livelihoods of the people. Exactly. Um, but we haven't really, I mean, Liberia does, the, the government here don't really have the resources um, to, to be able to do this, um, I think. So, yeah, we haven't seen any programs or any signals to it that we have XYZ in the works for, for, for Liberian businesses. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the environment that we live in, you know, so, uh, you know, we have to do for ourselves what we can do instead of you know, waiting for the government. Maybe one day we, you know, get to the point where the government is more responsive. But um, yeah, now it just, it just, just haven't seen any, any, any communications or anything that we got about uh, initiatives to support businesses during the pandemic. So you, as a business owner, is are there? I know it's. Uh, I will imagine it's scary. I would imagine that you know you have your. It's not like you're not affecting one person. You're affecting an entire family. Or you're affecting the four, five, six, seven families by yeah. one person receiving a salary. Yeah. So, um, you as a business owner, it is scary. I can imagine. Is there a, um? What are you starting? You don't need to give us details, but is yeah. this something that you and your people, your leadership, is thinking about and cracking their brains on how to you know? work around with your employees just in case this thing right. kicks off. Right. Um, so one of the big things that we have been trying to do is on how do we improve our profitability as a business without increasing our prices. Because we, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's a pandemic, it's a depressed economy. 
we cannot go and increase prices on our customers. Um, the way to do that, of course, would be to reduce our costs. It doesn't. It doesn't mean it's it's it's, it's kind of complicated because you know you, we absolutely cannot compromise the quality of our products as as a basis to improve profits. So we have to be able to, to structure our supply chain in such a way that we can be able to extract more savings. You know that allow us to take better care of our of our employees. So I'll give you an example, right? You know, we started it as, as a very small business, I mean, a very small uh, venture. As I said, we started with 1,000 bottles. I personally went to Ghana, bought 1,000 bottles and got on the flight and checked the 1,000 bottles in and brought it in. <laughs> you know, and that's how we started, wow. right? You know, but then eventually after that, you know, they started to grow, you know, you order 5,000 bottles, 10,000 bottles, 20,000 bottles and things like that. And but it's not. I mean, it's not of, of of the quantity that you can put it in a container and send it by ship. You know, so now we have to now check that into Kenya Airways or whatever you buy from Ghana, put it on Kenya Airways and bring it to Liberia, um, and pay taxes and then clear it, right? Um, that's fine, but it's also very expensive to send things by air. You know, because if you have, if you have, I mean, there's a glass, right? But if, I mean, let's say if you transport in glass and you send it by air, I mean. No pun intended, but there's a lot of air that you are transporting. Like you have all this stuff in here that just taking up space, uh, and the airline is charging us by how much space the stuff is taking is taking wow. uh, taking up, right? So a better way to do that, of course, would be to send this stuff by sea, because if you send it by sea, is is you know is much sea sea freight is much cheaper than air freight. Um, but in order to do that, you have to have a structure where you know we're able to plan way in advance because I can I can say I will order a container and then have it here tomorrow you know which means right. that I need I need to have a structure in place so that nine, 90 days from now if I know that I'm gonna need bottles in 90 days I need to order it now so that in 90 days I can have it here which means that I have to have an inventory management system that's constantly look at all of the ingredients to see that, oh, this one here, based on the trends, right, based on the production trends, I know that this one is going to be finished in 90 days. So I need to order it now so that I can get it here in 90 days. What that allows us to do is that it just, it just frees up cash. Um, because if we are sending things by sea, again, we, 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 we literally are saving 50%, 50% of our cost is the shipping cost, you know. So if we can you know, like, reduce that, then without compromising product quality or without increasing our prices, we can increase our profits significantly, which allows us to be able to do things like maybe um, increase salaries for our employees, also allows us to expand the business. So that's that's one of the big things that we've been working on this year, is just to be more strategic and, and more careful about supply chain and the planning, you know, things being advanced um, so that so that we can we can we can uh, manage our costs more, more efficiently. That's amazing. And so I want to go into you as a person. We're going okay. to get away from, you know, the, the company, even though it's your company. Okay. But there is one thing I have admired about you, and I'm going to say this to you. You have been able to stay out of the Liberian line lines. <laughs> you are, yeah. And maybe a lot of people haven't noticed it, but you have been able to stay out. So I want to know your secret. How have you been able to stay away from all the craziness that's going on in our country? Uh, I'm very busy with uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess a lot of people are not busy, right? <laughs> no, no, no. It just, I just, it just, it just, it just consumes, it just consumes me, man. Um, no, but it's, um, I, you know, I'm a. In, in a lot of ways, uh, I'm, 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 I'm an introvert, um, okay. and and so and so naturally, naturally, it's just very taxing to just be out all the time. Like I remember being in college, um, and we'll go to parties, and I would literally like I would have to maybe two or three times just go and, and just sit in the bathroom and just like you know like I just have to get away from people because like, if I'm around people too much, it just takes away so much energy, right? I, I would much rather just like if I go to a bar or something. I would much rather like my ideal position would be to sit in the corner and just observe everybody else, uh, because you that, that's that I sort of draw inspiration. Is you know it's 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 a very um, interesting way of 
it's, I mean, for me, it's, a, it's part of the creative process, you know, of being an entrepreneur and being also a creator, right? It's that you have to observe patterns, observe how people behave, you know, and use those things to say what you, you know, like just to draw insights. Um, so yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's just my, my nature to, to, to sort of be on the sidelines and, and observe rather than being in the center um, of things. And also, I just don't like people being in my business, you know, very private person. Um, uh, I, I, I would, I would, I, I like for, I like for people to earn the right to, to, to know what's going on in my life, you know, um, because it's like, it's like if everybody knows everything about me, then what's the point of having close friends, right? Like <laughs> my friends have no advantage because you, I mean, you don't have to be a close friend. You can just like go on social media and find everything about me. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I just try to, I try to just, um, just guard my private life because again it's just my nature i'm just an, an, an introverted person and i just i don't like um i don't like being the center of attention and that's great and i like yeah i like your analogy around it because i remember when i was going to start this whole podcast and everything one of my mentors said you don't like your business out there how are you gonna be able to do this i was like oh i can do it yeah, yeah. and i just keep my business out i might touch on some places but there are certain things i'm not going to divulge or certain areas i'm not going to go because it's my business and i think when you're able to separate i think for me and that's what as you know when we when i talked to my team and i saw i was going to get you that was one thing we try to do because you know trying to be nosy so like researching you finding out what's going on we can't find nothing and i'm ready like we can't find anything man yeah. He's top secret. He got an FBI. He got an FBI on his on his, on his uh, call list. But I think that's uh, I think for me that's one of the things of great businessmen and great businesswomen is you guys know how to protect your personal life because I think from my opinion when your personal life start to get in the mix and overshadows your calling or overshadows the thing that you want to do. Then we'll forget about Jay Palm and Colonel Fresh. And I was fascinated about you. Exactly. And that's not what wants to go on. But exactly. it's been eight years. We didn't mm -hmm. congratulate you first. We congratulate you now. It's been Thank eight you. years. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have been amazing. Um, tell us about this new thing. So I saw this video. As you already know, I stalk you. So I um, see. I <laughs> I saw this video about, I can't remember the name of a hotel, but I see you guys are moving. Uh, I about space. So tell yeah. us about the space. What, what are we going to be having in that space? Right. Um, we, so we're setting up the first flagship experience store for, uh, for Kernel Fresh. And the idea, again, I mean, the idea really is, is to do that, is to have a full Kernel Fresh experience. Kernel Fresh is a brand that's inspired by nature, is inspired by um, African you know, heritage, is inspired by the earth. And so we wanted to bring that into um, a physical retail format where people can actually walk in um, and have all five senses engaged, you know, um, and, and interact with products in ways that they just normally don't get to. Because right now, the way people buy products to me is started in traditional retail, so you go to a supermarket or buy it online. Uh, and when you go to a supermarket, uh, I mean, we have a very extensive range of products, and most of the time, the supermarkets only take the top selling products. You know, they get the oils, they have the soaps, they have the lotions, you know, maybe shampoo, conditioner. But you don't really see, get to experience the full range of the current fresh products. Um, and then and the, and the other big way people order, uh, order is through social media. Mm -hmm. But the way social media is just by design is you're only looking at one thing at a time. You know, so okay. if you see an ad for soap or an ad for body wash or ad for shampoo, that's what that's what you're looking at. You don't get to see all the other products that, that we have. Um, and, and most times these products are complementary. You know, it's better to use them together. So we wanted to have a, a retail format and come in see all the various products, try them if you want to try them, you know, smell them, you know, even customize them. You know, we're going to have the opportunity, for example, for people to choose what fragrances go in, in, in the oils, what fragrances go in their lotions. You know, we're going to have the opportunity for people to like make their own soaps uh, and, and, and put the ingredients on it in there. So we just wanted to have, you know, a really sort of um, luxury experience, you know, of course, 
we call it affordable luxury, you know, so you don't have to break the bank to have this luxury experience, right? You know, but it's just, it's a way, you know, for us to engage with our customers, for them to get to know us better, for us to get, also get to know them better, for them to learn more about our brand, and also for us to, to learn more um, more about them. And we decided that, you know what, go big or go home. We really decided to invest a lot in setting up a store that when somebody walks in, so the way the designer explains it is, you know, um, we want to have a store where when you're outside and you see the store you want to go in, and when you yeah. go in, you don't want to come out, you know, because it's ah. just it's just a very nice, it's just a very nice grounding space. The colors are all calm colors, the decor, the scents, the, the sounds, the music in the store, like what you see, all of those, you know, um, we put a lot of effort thinking about it. Um, because just to take a step back, you know, um, one of the founding principles for J-Palm is really around dignity. Okay. And dignity and respect for the customer. The way in which um, most retail works in Liberia is very is a very sort of top down model. Of that whatever is imported, that's what you get to buy. You don't have any choice, you know. Like, um, and and most of the products that were being imported into Liberia were not, and not products that were designed for you know for black people. You know, it's like these products were designed in other parts of the world, maybe for Americans, for Asians, you know, people who have different skin texture, different complexions, and those products get brought here. You put a dark skin model on the blackboard, on the billboard, and that's what gets to sell, right? Um, we are taking a different approach to say, let's put the librarian consumer at the center of our design process. What do you want as a librarian person? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? We want to listen to that and, and, and figure out how do we bring that sort of world-class process of designing that product that works for the librarian consumer. And so the store is just an extension of that. Right? We want to honor our customers to say, you know, let's, let's spend some money, you know, to set up a store that when you come in, really makes you feel good um, to know that we are thinking about you and we're designing a space specifically to honor you and to say, to say that we appreciate you. So that's sort of what we're trying to accomplish here. That is amazing. That is, I can see the passion. I can see the joy in your face. I can experience it with you as you're saying it right now. So I can, I, about I can see it. I can see how excited you are about it. But why that location? Why in that hotel? Was there? Yeah. Did you ever think about anywhere else? But it was just that particular. Why that particular hotel? Um, it's 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 it's, it's centrally located. Okay. We have you know it's in Singapore. We have lots of um, lots of people live in Singapore. Lots, lots of people work in in Singapore. Um. Is right on the main street, so it's easily accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, they have great parking space, so parking is not, it's not a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's also, I mean, a lot of people moving through there. Uh, it's, the store is also right next to the Brussels Airlines office. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so we also are thinking about not That's just our, great. you know, yeah, we're also not just, we're not just thinking about just the people who are based here, but we're also thinking about uh, customers who may be traveling. Um, Unfortunately, the people at the airport just harassed people too much. They're like, oh, you know, why are you taking oil? Yes, we're going to find a small thing to give, but before they can allow you to take oils, which is just ridiculous. So if you have a store that's next to the Brussels Airlines office where people are going to check in, they can just check the stuff, they can just buy, if they you know, want to buy a few bottles and check into the bag and, and check it in, no hassles. So it's, it's you know, a lot of ways it's an, it's an ideal location. It also, it also is a really nice space, you know, the way it's designed. You know, it comes with electricity, 24 electricity, it comes with air conditioning and all of that. We really want to have a place that's cozy, um, that when you walk in, you don't have to, you leave all your worries behind and just, it's sort of like a wonderland kind of theme. Oh man, this is, you're going to have these girls and these men not going to leave that so they're going to sit there all day. You're going to be exactly. providing food and drinks? Yeah, bring your sleeping bags and, and <laughs> a mattress or whatever. Good, good, good. But hey, that so do you guys have a lunch date? Do you have a date that is going to open? Is it on the calendar yet? Or I'm asking too many questions. No, <laughs> you're not asking too many questions. It's, um, it's you know we we have and we have a um, date in mind. We okay. want we want to we want to launch around. And I mean, it's 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 actually very apt that we're having this conversation here because you have. Having this series around 26, you know, we want to launch around 26 um, celebrations. Like I know there's a lot that's going to be going on, provided of course that we don't have a lockdown. 
So uh, you know, we want we want to launch it around the July twenty sixth um, celebration. Just have just come in and just like celebrate our librarian heritage, uh, librarian culture. But I can tell you, once the store open, I'm gonna advertise because me and a whole group of people are coming in December. There you go. My runway Liberia. I am on the runway Liberia team, and we are coming. And go. so we Ooh. are going to be okay. runway Liberia. We have uh, Janda Morris Kennedy. She's yes, the head of yes, yes. Yep. So we are yep. coming. We are coming okay. in December. The streets okay. are calling our name. We are coming. <laughs> That's another thing, right? It's just like. It's like, you know, um, this is going to be a, a place where if you are visiting, you come and hang out. Uh, for, those that, for those who are here, they can bring their friends who are visiting. Just, you know, we just want to be like a cool space, a cool space where um, people can, can come and, and learn where our, our company, learn where our products, you know, have the power to design their own products the way they, the, the way they, they like. Um, and just, just have a good time, yeah. That is amazing. And with somebody um, sending questions, so I have people sending questions. One person asked and said, have you ever thought about the opportunity of partnering with individuals, for example, who want to say, let's say somebody wants to make their own perfume, but they mm -hmm. already know um, Kernel Fresh is a brand that people know they want to partner with you to make their own mm -hmm. perfume or make their mm -hmm. own soap. Is that something that you guys have thought about? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always open to, to we're always open to ideas for, for, for collaboration, for partnership. So yeah, okay. you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm on social media, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. People always reach out to me, you know. So if you have a, if you have an idea of how to partner, let's do it. Because I mean, we do need more partnerships. Uh, we don't really have a large business community in Liberia. So I think yeah. definitely a need for us to, for the few of us to, to work together to support it, support each other in, in whatever way we can. So yeah, definitely. Def, great, great, great. But you won't believe this. It's almost time. The people, somebody will text me, letting me know that it's time for, we almost got to go. But I want to ask you, what uh, is next? What's next for uh, uh, J Palm, Colonel Fresh? What's the, I know you have the flagship store, but what's next in the next right. five, six years? Right. Um, we have some, some pretty big plans. The biggest one we're working on right now is, um, is telling, this story um, to the world about um, natural palm kernel oil from Liberia. Mm -hmm. So think about this, right? If you think about shea butter, what what country do you think about? I didn't. I didn't get you. If you think about shea butter, what country do you think about? Ghana. You think about Ghana, right? You yeah. think about Argan, you know. You think about argan oil. You think about Morocco. Um, yeah. There is an opportunity for us to position Liberia um, as a source for the most natural palm kernel oil, uh, because you know palm palm oil. You know most of the palm oil that's consumed in the world right now is grown on plantations, um, and and if you go to Europe or if you go to the U.S. for the average person, when you, when you mention palm oil, the first thing that comes to somebody's mind is that oh, but it's not bad for the environment. You know, it's not bad for the animals. Um, and that's because most of these large plantations in order to, to, to have land plant and clear out the forest, clear out the rainforest, uh, to plant palm. We in Liberia are naturally blessed with palm, where if you go in the bush, nobody can tell you, I don't plant this palm, right? I mean, of course, there are people who make their own plantations, but for the wild palm, yes. nobody planted it. It's always been there. Is that you know these palm trees grew according to a natural pattern. You know the birds come, they eat the, the palm, the palm nut. They jump to see elsewhere new trees grow. It's, it's it's very natural and very organic. It's the most organic there is, right? So we're working um, in a, in partnership with uh, there's a company in the U.S. called Pacha Soap. I think they are, most people know them. They are in all the Whole Foods in in the U.S. Um, to develop a supply chain around um, uh, wild palm kernel oil. And the idea is to turn all of these communities um, organic, to get organic certification for, for these, these communities, um, so that when we make palm kernel oil, oil from there, it can also be labeled organic palm kernel oil that we can that can now, of course, we're using our products and market locally, but we can now also now start to um, export to, to other parts of the world. And we are also integrating um, technologies such as blockchain technolo technology into our supply chain so that if you go to a village in Bond County, for example, and we buy 500 kilograms of palm kernels from 
uh, a lady there, you know, there's a, each time any transaction happens, there's a person's picture, there's the person's name, how much they will pay for it, and all of that stuff. Um, so that eventually, maybe two, three years from now, you know, if you go to Whole Foods or you go to Walmart and you buy, you know, I don't know, lotions or soaps or whatever, you can be able to, to scan a QR code on that, on that package that, that now takes you to a website where you have where you can have access to this full story for the palm kernel oil that's used in that product. You know, this palm kernel oil was made on so and so day in Liberia. Here, the farmers who contributed to that. That that that. You see videos about you know the impact and, and all of that. So it's a new way um, of uh, integrating supply chain with marketing and communicating impact. You know, for for customers, so that customers have more transparency into the supply chains and the impact that businesses are making through the supply chain. So, I mean, it's it's it's, it's a very there's a lot of moving pieces we're working in right now. It's a sort of complex um, project, but we're very excited about it because if we can make it work, or when we when we make it work, it's just better going to be a game changer in just rebranding Liberia as the source for this natural wild organic palm kernel oil, and also in unlocking opportunities for all these smallholder farmers to make more money. That's amazing. Mr. Johnson, I want to take off all my hats to you. Um, it's You are the example of hard work. And so there are people who are watching. There might be, there are a lot of people who say, you know, you're encouraging them. They would go back home and start their own businesses. They're talking about partnering with you. There are a lot of people here talking. But for these people who are watching and who do want to go back library and start businesses, can you just give them some words of encouragement or just what is it that you can tell them to encourage them to not listen to the naysayers? Right. Um, I mean, the first thing I'll say is let's be real. You know, it, it, you have to come with the, with, with the understanding that it is a difficult environment to operate in. Um, but what helps is having a very clear and very detailed vision, vision of what you want to do and also having a clear why, you know, why are we, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to accomplish X, Y, Z? Because having that clear vision, having that clear why, you know, is what will allow you to be able to persevere and to be able to push through, you know, until you can get to the point where it exists or whatever venture it is you're doing becomes um, successful. I would also say, you know, reach out. Like a lot of mistakes that many business that like this, this business I'm doing, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately there wasn't like there weren't many people I could call call upon, you know, when I was starting because there weren't many people who were doing the same thing that I was starting. Um, but I would tell you for a fact that we made every mistake in the book, you know, whether, whether when it's sourcing machinery, whether it's hiring, whether it's dealing with customs, dealing with the port and all that stuff. So uh, if you're starting a network, you know, reach out. I mean, you know, we can sit down for coffee or something or for dinner or whatever, and just like chat, like, you know, get feedback from as many people as possible, tap into other people's experiences. Just because I made a mistake doesn't make mean that you need to make you, you have to make the same mistake. In fact, you should not make the same mistake if I've if I've made it. You know, we're all brothers exactly. and librarians. You know, so let's share our stories. Um, let's network with each other, learn as much as possible from each other, collaborate where where possible, so that we can have more successful businesses, you know, and, and also open doors for other young people that are coming after us. Mr. Mamu Johnson, I want to say thank you for honoring my invitation for being on this platform. Um, like I said earlier to the to everybody, this is celebrating Liberia excellence. You are a Liberian example of what excellent behavior, excellent entrepreneurship, excellent business is supposed to be. We appreciate you. We say thank, thank you, you for being here with us. But the thank time you. is up, and I'm really sad because I feel like I've known you for 25 years, so we can have a conversation. <laughs> Going on. So when you say you're an introvert, I'm like, no, you're not. You're just starting the whole conversation. No, you're not. But well, I when it comes to J-Palm, I'm not an introvert. That's what somebody said. They said, man, he's talking about his whole life. He's going to go all the way. In. <laughs> but this was great, man. And I said, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for giving Liberians the opportunity to do, to work, to earn honest income because i know that's an important thing in in these developing countries earning honest income thank you for being there for the librarian people but some of us you know we didn't have the courage to go back after college and you did and you have made a difference and for that we say thank you for everything that you've done and we just appreciate you bro and thank you for being on this show 
Thank you so much for having me. And 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 I also want to mention um, just thank you for for starting this because we do we do need to have more of these conversations. Um, I would also want to just give props to you and your team because I mean you've been very organized. You contacted me like like I said like two or three months ago about this. <laughs> I found uh, because it never happens. Most people contact you two days before, right? Oh, no. You know, but, you know, it was very very organized. Um, and and so you're doing a, you do, I mean you're doing an excellent job. So thank you so much um, for for the work that you do and for having me for having me on the show. And I'll see you in December. That part is going to happen because I'm coming to that flagship place to make yeah, my own soap, yeah. make my own oil. <laughs> make, your, make your own soap, make your own oil and everything else. Yeah. Yes, man. But you have a good time, man. We'll talk Thank later. You. Okay, okay, man. Oh. Well, people, I told you this was the conversation. I hope you had a great time. That man is amazing. For those who are in Liberia, if you have not checked it out, you need to go and check out J, uh, uh, um, J Palm, you need to check out Kernel Fresh. Their products are amazing, like you said. They have lotion, they have hair grease. I mean, they have the whole nine yards. There is a flagship coming up, people. It's going to be never. Y'all need to check it out. But again, I say thank you to Mr. Johnson, who was here. Give us a great evening. I mean, it was amazing. The conversation was great. And you guys, this was The Conversation. Again, Outspoken and Opinionated. We are on Instagram, The Conversation, Outspoken and Opinionated. We're on Facebook, The Conversation, Outspoken and Opinionated.